Welcome to the Rise to the Challenge podcast. Join today. He's a coach, author, motivational speaker, podcast host. It's Ari Gunsberg. How are you doing today, Ari? I'm doing great, Alex. Thanks a lot for having me on the show. Thank you. We're so excited to have you on the show to talk about your rise to the challenge. What we like to do with all of our guests is go right to the beginning. Talk about where you're from and what were you involved in growing up? All right. So um, I'm from Baltimore originally. Uh, and so, and when I was 10 years old, I had this like really interesting, terrible, awful, crazy event that happened to me. Um, I was out hiking in the woods with uh, my rabbi and we were on like this, uh, this field trip and everything. And some kids came like running up ahead to like get us. And, there, you know, it's, it's the nineties. So there weren't like other adults around. It was just like him. And like, there was only 70 kids. It was like, not so much of a big deal. We'll go. And um, they're like, you know, come on, he's hurt. I'm like, he's joking. Forget it. You know, just completely ignore them. Um, but, you know, there's after a few frantic shouts and like, they're not going away and being like, ha good joke. We were like, all right, maybe they're serious. And we went back and um you know so there, i mean we like go back to like where it's going on and now all 17 of us are like shell-shocked we're in the woods you know he, he's he, the rabbi's just like laying down like he's the only adult that we know of for miles and and we're just kind of like uh what do we do now um so it wasn't so long until we realized like it's time to go for help and so three of us went one way seven kids went a different way and seven kids ended up staying behind with him uh, we found, we like navigated our way out of the woods, which is a little bit of a wonderment that we were able to do that at 10 years old. And I'll tell you the secret. The secret is, is that somebody, you know, if you want to be spiritual, I would say God personally, but other people would sit there and be like, well, it just happened. It was the way of the world. Whatever you want to, whatever you want to, wherever you want to put that, right. Somebody sat there and decided to have somebody standing at the edge of the woods that day playing the bagpipes in a kilt and everything. So, so. <laughs> So we're like wandering around. We're like, how do we get out? Where do we go? Do we make a left? Do we make a right? And then all of a sudden we're like, wait, music. Oh, well, music, people. So uh, so we followed the music on the, out of the forest. And I believe, I know the set, the other seven kids who were wandering around the forest got out of the forest a few minutes after we did. So I believe that they had the exact same thing happen. Like they were trying to figure out which way to go because they thought it was a different direction. And as you know, a lot of times, a lot of the trails crisscross. So mm-hmm. I think that they also were like wandering around trying to get out knowing roughly the way to go and then all of a sudden they hear music and they found their way out um anyways we two of us brought one of these so oh so we we see the guy playing the bagpipes we see some buildings off in the distance we run to the buildings get some guys they we bring them back into the forest one of them starts doing cpr immediately the other one you know gathers all of us up he's like come on let's go let's go let's go and he brings us out of the forest and so eventually a little bit later that day there are all 17 of us standing there and this is like etched in my mind in my memory and stuff we're all standing there it's like we're around this tree we're like shell-shocked with no idea what's happening the 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 people from the school are there at that point our teacher from the year before the principal you know they're standing around talking hushed voices won't look at us won't talk to us won't say anything won't update us at all and um eventually the, you know our teacher from the last year is like just get in the van and he's like, where do you live? And he just drove us home, drove, drove us home one at a time without saying anything, uh, without saying anything other than how do I get to your house and let me take you there. Um, once I was home, like my parents were like, well, what in the world happened? You know? And so I, I told my dad like a little bit about what happened. He's like, well, let me call the school. I'll figure it out. And he calls the school and he's on the phone with him. And you could just, you could just like watch everything about his like facial features and everything was like you know okay what's going on and it's like (laughs) like it just it just dropped and like you're like oh boy and he like looks up at me and he's like he's gone and uh you know so at that moment like we stood there in like the kitchen or the foyer or something i remember the linoleum floor but i don't remember if it was the kitchen or the the or the foyer not that that's that important but we sat there crying for like a really long time and um it just uh you know we just jumped right into the funeral right into this right into that and so like there was there was it was just a really hard moment and um and and then a lot of the moments in that school following that were not really much easier for various reasons and that brought me into like a different school and that brought me into being with kids who um all together it's not like that it was their fault or anything but like all together we started making a lot of choices that were not the best for us and uh you know that led us into like these places where in high or in our high school years like we like i in particular like went through like a lot of different varied experiences with like a lot of different groups that that um that probably 
I shouldn't have been in necessarily. And then also, uh, you know, that, that not everybody necessarily goes through and stuff like that. And like, they, they give you perspective, you know, some, sometimes they give bad perspective. Sometimes they give good perspective. I, I believe for the most part for me, they gave good perspective, but um, you know, and then um, I'll just jump you kind of like up to where we are right now. Right. So, so that was like the high, the, the high school teenage years. And then, and then I was kind of like straightening up on my own, like as I got into my early twenties and, there was like this period when I was like 19, when I moved in with a bunch of like Uber Israelis, like, like Yemenite Israelis and stuff like that, if that means anything to you. And, and um, a lot of their cultural, uh, a lot of the ways that they acted culturally helped me heal from a lot of different things. And we can delve deeper into that if you want. But, um, you know, eventually I was like 24, 25 and also, you know, getting, getting married and stuff. And then, and then, uh, you know, kind of like, keeping all of this, these experiences that I had been through, I don't want to say secret, but kind of being like, they're not really anybody's business. I don't need to be that guy who's like always walking around being like, well, have you heard my story? You know, like, I, mm-hmm. it's just not me, right? Necessarily. Well, maybe it is me, <laughs> but, uh, you know, but like at some point in time, and I, there is a pinpoint on that, but I'm saying there was a point in time when I was like, wait, I did go through all this stuff. It was very difficult for me. And I, and I, there were things that I learned from it on the one hand, maybe it should be private, but on the other hand, maybe I can help other people learn from the, the, the different experiences that I went through, the different mistakes that I made. And if I can help them learn from that, and if I can help them them feel better and be overall better because of it, maybe it's not just that, you know, maybe I should, maybe I have a responsibility to go out there and kind of like share my story a little bit. And and so after about 10 years or so of, of trying to be like, no, that's like, meaning like trying to separate myself from this other person who was there during my, during my teenage years and like all that and trying not to be the same person. Like I was like, you know what, maybe this is uh maybe it's okay to, to, to kind of like air my dirty laundry in front of people. Not because I need everybody to know about my dirty laundry, but because um, anybody who goes through anything, there are lessons to be learned from it and and people who go through more stuff there's more lessons to be learned from it so if we're able you know we're not always able to do it and a lot of times we're not able to do it but but when we're able to learn the lessons from the people around us that means that we don't have to go through those times and we don't have to go through those really hard lessons and honestly it's it's that type of theme that that i really truly attribute to saving my life from when i was a teenager so like there's like this massive like impact that, that we can have on each other's lives when we share our story in certain ways. And so um, it took me about 10 years probably or so to, to realize that. But once I realized that it was like, you know, it's not just, it's not just a, if it's maybe it's, it's really possibly a should, you should go do it. You know, before the event happened with the rabbi, did you like the outdoors or was that the first kind of experience outdoors with a group exploring the wilderness? Uh, well, wilderness is, you know, it's not quite, you know, but like exploring the outdoors. Um, I was outdoors all day, every day, morning till night. Now, I don't know if that really means thick of the winter. Like nowadays, like I'm not necessarily nervous to go outside. Like, I don't care. I'll go outside any weather nowadays. Um, like I was just telling you before, like I had all my rain gear out because I was hiking in the woods in the rain earlier. Um, and I was very warm and very comfortable, even though it was getting rained on the whole time, because, because if you know what to wear and how to wear it and how to mm-hmm. gear up and how to like, you know, layer up and everything, um, you know, you'll maintain your warmth and you'll be totally fine. Um, but no, I mean, I had a next door neighbor and we lived behind these, I call them woods, but you know, like as a kid, they were massive. But like, when you walk through there as an adult, you're like, all right, so it's like 200 feet this way, like 100 feet this way, you know, like whatever, maybe 400 <laughs> feet this way and 100 feet this way. It was tiny, you know, but like whatever. We spent all our time back there. We were back there all the time building forts and clubhouses and this. And um, there was an old gentleman who used to walk back and forth back there also, like that we became a little close with. He used to secretly, you know, sneak out of his house to have a cigarette because his wife you didn't know that he smoked, supposedly, right? And he was, I'm walking the dog for the fifth time today, you know, like... <laughs> He'd walk the dog, smoke a cigarette. We're like, well, little kids, we're like, can we pet the dog? He's like, yeah, pet the dog, whatever. So we'd like schmooze with him, you know, we were a bunch of like little eight-year-old, 10-year-olds, whatever. He'd like, he would like talk with us and everything. And um, and when he finished a cigarette, like he would like, you know, mask the smell with a butterscotch candy because like that works, you know, like, oh, I can't <laughs> tell these folks because you just had a butterscotch. Okay, great. But um, which is an interesting point that I think that I've noticed in that, like a lot of times like those long-term relationships sometimes work because 
they know and understand that like sometimes you just okay you let it go right like mm-hmm. she could have sat there and made it into a big deal but it was like okay oh sure you're not supposed to be fine <laughs> whatever you gotta tell yourself all right fine you know um but yeah so we we had spent years and years and years out in the woods and everything and um it was only much much later that i realized that i think that i avoided the woods to a degree not entirely but to a degree based on that and everything and once i had that realization uh you know four or five years ago i was like okay i should make a, a more concerted effort to go out even though I did have this event that happened in the woods and that makes me, you know, not nervous, but, uh, that, you know, that's, it's always in the back of the mind and stuff like that. But, um, you know, uh, we, we all go through our things, you know, is there something that you learned about yourself or a set of skills that you gained that you didn't know you had with being outside? Uh, I'll, I'll take two angles to that one. Um, number one, I wanted to get it for a long time, probably since I'm like 17 or something, and it took me a long time to actually do it. But uh, about three years ago or so, I went and I got my wilderness first responder, which is a it's a medical certification for the great outdoors, for being in the middle of nowhere that's just below EMT, um, which is a crazy certification because I can do lots of stuff if we're in the middle of nowhere and something happens that goes wrong, but I can do almost nothing for it. <laughs> like, it's like, okay, somebody falls, okay, uh, call 911 and I'll try CPR. That's about it, you know? So, like, it's just a it's just a weird certification. Like, there is the wilderness EMT where you're also an EMT. And so, like, you could do this, all this wilderness protocol stuff in the middle of nowhere. You could do all this front country protocol stuff here, but, like, not with the woofer, not with the, we call it the woofer, the words first responder, WFR, so it's shortened to woofer. Uh, that's one. The other one is... Um, the more time that I spend outside and it's, and it, and it holds true every single time that I forget about it or that I just kind of like leave it by the wayside, it, it, it rekindles. And I'm like, Oh yeah. Okay. No, that's actually true. Is that the outdoors is healing. And, mm-hmm. and my, my true belief is that it's healing for everyone at all times. To what degree does somebody let it be healing to them? Okay. You know, like we can have that discussion, you know, um, and that's not to say the wilderness, that's to say the outdoors, meaning, meaning, and there's studies, they're coming out with studies more and more that like just getting into some type of natural setting and that, and I'm not sure, but that might be as simple as going to the beach or going to like, you know, a place where you can park the car and there's trees in front of you. And that might be considered a natural setting, you know, so like we're not talking about, you know, 10 day backpacking trip in the middle of like Utah, where there's literally nobody around for miles. We're saying like, even a small city park that has some trees and some grass like will probably be very healing for you so it's like the outdoors and it, like i haven't been out for a little while i, mean, I was just out a couple weeks ago but it's, it feels like a long time and i went out today with a friend of mine and we were like out there and i had my goals that i was trying to achieve and he was doing some geocaching and stuff like that and we were out together and like it was beautiful and it's just like oh my gosh it's like every time i come out here i remember like oh wow like the outdoors is just a healing place like we need, to, we don't know it, but we need to be outdoors to help us kind of just file stuff away and make realizations. And just, it's just, it's just a place where like great things happen for the mind and for, for the body. So, uh, you know, I, I, I urge people all the time to get outdoors. I can relate to that. Like you mentioned the outdoors for me, the healing part is being on the water in a way, but that's if I, I don't live near a beach or a big body of water. So when I go and travel, I go to a beach usually or that kind of destination because I enjoy it. It's like rejuvenating the energy and things like that. But if I'm at home where I am, I can go to a small pond or a lake and I still get that same feeling, but I'm still outside enjoying the outdoors. But I think everyone can find something outdoors that they can find relaxing, healing, and things like that, and just enjoy instead of being inside. And maybe some people find the inside is perfectly fine for them, but those outdoors kind of people, they have their signature spot, their sanctuary that they go to. It's even the people who feel like the indoors is a safer place and they'd rather be there. I don't think they understand the level of, uh, you know, I mean, healing is a good word for it, but like the level of good things that happen to somebody physiologically that meaning emotionally and physically from being outdoors and you mentioned you know that you like being around water um i would i don't know challenge or just you know make a suggestion if i may be so bold um i just recently got a an inflatable paddleboard 
And it's fantastic. I'm saying I can go to almost any lake, almost anywhere. Now, of course, there's different rules in some places you need to get like a permit and whatever, but typically you can find a place that doesn't really care about it. And you sit there and you show up. It's, it, it, it fits into a lar- very large backpack. Uh, you know, you show up, you pull everything out, you pump it up, it takes 10, 15 minutes and you throw on your life vest or you th- strap it onto the front of it. And if, it, if the water's at all cold, I would recommend that you throw the life vest on. But if it's like super middle of the summer and the water's warm and you know how to swim, it's still typically recommended to wear it. But, you know, you can, that's a decision that's much easier to make that like, you know, a little bit on the safer side. So anyways, you can go in the middle of nowhere. I'm saying I, I go to like these lakes and everything and I just go on a lake and I, and I do six miles on, on a paddleboard or whatever. And it's, and it's fantastic. And it's like super relaxing, except for the powerboats like slide. <laughs> <laughs> whatever I'm saying. But like you're still you're out in the middle of nowhere. There's trees. You're on the water. The water like laps around you. You know, and like it's just it's just really beautiful. And you don't. There's so much available to do, and it's like there's if there's no like limit. Like if if forests is not your thing, then maybe mountains. If mountains are not your thing, maybe rivers. If rivers not your thing, then maybe lakes. Maybe ponds. Maybe oceans. Maybe maybe boats. Maybe paddleboards. Maybe kayaks. Maybe white water. Maybe not white water. Maybe. Uh, I mean, like I could just go on and on scuba up high, down low, caving, like climbing, like there's so many different aspects to it. And, and any one of them is just, it just, um, people just do a lot better outdoors. You know, you talked about the traumatic experience that you went through. If you were at a different age, maybe older, do you think you had been able to process it a little bit differently than when you were 10 at an age that you kind of don't know what's going on maybe at that time? uh meaning what do you are you asking if i would have gone for help quicker or are you asking no 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 if I would have Ma- so, so when you were in the under- understood before yes. i got home that maybe that was gone yeah was gone yeah you kind of analyze yeah. what was happening yeah yeah i think i think there's like and and I, and this is something that i'm still learning right like there's a level of like i guess reading between the lines that like we have to kind of start doing at a certain age and and sometimes like some of these, some of these aspects of reading between the lines don't happen until we're 25 or 30, right? And we're like, oh, maybe I need to read between the lines here. Like the fact that that happened and that's not a normal way for this person to react, they must be going through a lot of stuff. Like that takes a long time to get the maturity mm-hmm. to, for some people to like be able to put that together. Um, and, and, you know, sometimes people will say something to you and like they mean for you to read between the lines and you're like, Oh, that's what they were really saying. They weren't really telling, you know, uh, um, but yes, yeah, certainly if I had been even probably a few years older, I probably, um, I don't know, maybe, maybe it would have been, maybe it's like a 20 plus thing. Like, yes, he was sitting there not moving, um, but hope is forever. Right. And so, so there's always that like, well, maybe he's not. And I don't even know, like, I guess at 10, you don't really have a, co- a good concept of death. I don't think we ever really have a good concept of death. Yeah. Like, um at 10 you for sure don't have a good concept of death and so so it's one of those it's it's yeah i I think older maybe would have made it a little bit easier to kind of put those pieces together but even then like like i was saying before hope is forever so even even though the 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 skin color was what you know what it was was whatever was what it was and that he stopped and he wasn't responding and he wasn't this and like i i yeah yeah i don't know that's a tough one you mentioned after that, when you went to like new school, new environment, that you kind of were getting involved into different things. If that traumatic experience didn't happen, do you feel your path would have taken you in that direction still? Or do you think those experiences helped you kind of grow and learn more about you in a way? Uh, overall, kind of yes to the first part, but basically, basically like here, here's the viewpoint that I have was it the specific event at 10 that did that, that that caused me into this that put me into the situations that I ended up in as a teenager I don't think so I think it was probably a catalyst but it for sure was not the catalyst I think uh, a better way of putting the catalyst is more so the fact that uh, in that school that I was in when that happened I never really fit in and so there was like a lot a, a high I don't know there was a a level of I don't know if it got into, you know, I don't know what the threshold levels are between making fun of and bullying. And some people are like, it's all bullying. And some people are like, maybe it's, you know, not, I don't know. Um, let other people figure that stuff out, you know, like I <laughs> to go into that, but there was, a, there was certainly a level of, I didn't fit in and the other kids made sure that I knew it. Um, and, and, you know, there was a lot of periods of time there, there, there were periods of time where it was okay. And I was 
kind of doing well, but like there were a lot of periods of time where I wasn't. And like, it was the, I don't think it was the right school for me overall. That's where I ended up. That's okay. Like, you know, things happen the way they happen because they're supposed to happen that way. And that's fine. But like looking back at it without being like, man, I wish I never had gone to the school. Being Like looking back at it, I don't think it was the right school for me. Um, and so because of all that stuff that had happened, when I finally moved schools, I was very, I tried to be very deliberate in trying to like fit in with the kids who seemed to be the cool kids. And everybody's got their own definition of which kids are the cool kids. Mm-hmm. Something that I've realized as I've gotten older, meaning to some kids, those aren't the cool kids. Those are the cool kids, right? And to other kids, you know, but um, so I, I worked very, very hard to like get, be a part of that crew. And, and so to like rekindle, cause I had known someone when I was younger to like rekindle those old friendships and, and um, like I was saying before, like, it's not that it's their fault that I did the things that I did because half of them didn't even do those things in the end, you know, but like, but like going into the path of like getting, making friends with all these kids and, and trying to fit in and all this other stuff and everything certainly put me into other situations where I was. But I mean, you can look at almost anything and like kind of like pinpoint that there was an aspect of it. Uh, you know, like, like I was saying before that, that listening to other people's stories is kind of what saved me it probably saved my life at least a couple times. It's like, um, when I was like 15, I ended up in, uh, you know, narcotics anonymous meetings and alcoholics anonymous, anonymous meetings, not because I was 15 and like hooked on drugs and 15 and hooked on booze. I was 15 and wanted to learn how to drive. And I wasn't really in high school at the time. And so like, this guy's like, I'll, I'll teach you how to drive, but you got to drive my car and you got to drive it to NANA and you got to come with me. And I'm like, okay whatever yeah, let's go and so like i was in there like listening to these people talk about these crazy stories that happened and then i was like shooting heroin and i was this and i did this and like you know my buddy's dead and like this and like my entire life is was in shambles and i had no idea and i'm like oh my gosh and then like later on when i was doing all this recreational stuff there was this line that i just would not cross <coughs> excuse me and and i knew guys who did cross it and girls who did cross it and um you know there's a number of them that aren't with us anymore so it's like, was I a crazy enough person that maybe I would have crossed those lines? Yeah. <laughs> um, like, you know, wild child does not begin to describe the, uh, who I was at the time. Um, and like, I had this conversation with my mom, like uh, the past couple of years, I forget exactly when. She's like, you know, I always wondered, like, why, why didn't you ever like do just that much more and like, and like, you know, go off that deep end and everything. And I'm like, because, you know, and I was like, yeah, well, you know, all this stuff happened when I was 15 and I heard all these stories. So when it came time where somebody might be, might have been like, hey, man, you got to try this. It's amazing, which I know somebody who did that to a guy who's not with us anymore and was like, dude, you got to shoot up. And he's like, OK, yeah, why not? And he shoots up and he's like, oh, it's amazing. And I'm like, dude, you're a moron, you know, like but like he never, he didn't go through those experiences and stuff, you know. And so like he just OD'd like uh, six months or a year ago or something like that. And, you know, it's that's. Um, I don't know. Uh, you know, those are the, those are those like, uh, uh, very, very hard or impossible to come back from mistakes. Did your parents have any idea that you're going and doing those things? At the at time? T- at times, yeah. Going and doing what things? I'm saying, yeah, they, I don't know if they knew everything. I don't know if they knew all the details. There's certainly sometimes when maybe I was like in the middle of doing certain things and like, I don't think they picked up on it, but you know, Something that I've realized also is that, like, you know, as as slick as I may have thought that I was at the time, like, I'm an adult. I know what all this stuff looks like. So I see people, I see kids nowadays that are like like that and everything. And they might be like, yeah, no, I'm slick. Nobody can tell that I'm high. And I'm like, dude, I knew you were high from like 20 feet away. You know, like, so I don't know like what level of it was like. We're just gonna let it go and like not ignore it. And what level was it like, like naivety of like I just don't know that it's happening. So. Not that it matters that much. I'm saying like there were there were those periods of truth telling where I you know was, was uh, upfront and explained and and um, you know so there, there was there was like levels of like back and forth and everything. There were like levels of like understanding the things that I was doing or a level of them that they had a decent idea of what was going on at times. You know, growing up, did you have anybody that you had inspired to be like or a mentor in your life? Yes and no. Um, sometimes the wrong mentors. <laughs> um, it's funny who we idolize. And, uh, you know, it's funny how later time comes and you're like, wait, maybe I shouldn't have, you know. 
Um, when I was a high school dropout in this pizza shop that I worked in during my uh, high school years and stuff, there was an older, I want to say a couple, because like they usually were a couple, but they weren't always a couple. And kind of like, I think it was like a like coupling out of convenience more, more than out of anything and stuff. And like, they had their own problems. I'm saying like, they were like minimum wage workers. Like, I don't know how much education they had. And like, I'm, I'm giving you the, 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 the negative side and the downside and stuff like that, you know, like, and like, he was addicted to heroin and like, um, you know, it was just like, but like, it was weird. Cause like, I looked up to them in some ways and like, there's certainly, and, and, and as much as I say that, and somebody might be listening and be like, well, what the hell's wrong with you? You know, the guy, who, even though he had this like massive addiction, massive problem, like he was so positive. He had such a positive outlook on life. And so like, and the lady also, like, she was just like, she just like, yeah, she had her own problems, like probably booze and all this stuff. But like, she, like every single day it was like, well, how are you doing? It's like, I'm doing great, you know? Or like some days it was like, no, I'm not doing great at all. But like, for the most part, it was like this positive attitude, this positive outlook on things and everything. Even though like, if you look at it from the outside, especially as an adult, you might be like, dude, there's a lot of parts of your life that suck, you know? But like, they just had these like positive ways of looking at things. And then, and then um, other times, you know, you look up to people and you think that they are the bee's knees and you're like, this is amazing. And they're like, making all this money, they're doing all this. And it's only later that you kind of pick up and realize you're like, oh, they're completely miserable. Like they hate their life. And like, they might have all of these things that a lot of people consider to be the hallmark of success, but they don't really have anything. Because because mm-hmm. they're actual there's parts of their life that are in shambles. So um, I, I think the best thing that I can say about that is based on my own experience. You know, it's first of all, it's really good to have a mentor that you can actually go and talk to. And I've I've had that or tried to have that a number of times. And you know, there's different things that that <laughs> broke them down for various reasons. But um, even if you have people that you look up to, try and look up to them and understand that they're still human. So when they prove to be fallible, which they will be um that you understand and can cut them a break and that doesn't mean follow them in their fail fallibility but like like when they do something and you hear about it and you're like oh my gosh i, th- I didn't think that they were that type of person you can sit there and still take all of the good that you saw and maintain that viewpoint and take all of the, the not good that you heard about and and um kind of recognize that they're human and be like okay well maybe i have to dis- disconnect my relationship with this person maybe i can't be know them anymore maybe there's this maybe there's that all these different aspects to it but i can still hold on to this this uh this good person part of them that i was always aspiring to be because it would be a noble cause to try and get to be like that person or to do this or to do that so that you know we don't always have to throw the baby out with the dish with the, the bathwater. we can sometimes you know sit there and be like okay that's all the dirty part we're gonna throw that away but we're gonna hold on to this good part and keep that Well, that's definitely true with celebrities. A lot of people look up to them and they only see the positives, what's in the media and things like that. And then that one article about a negative thing about them. And it's kind of like their whole look at them goes down the drain because of that one small thing. But I think celebrities kind of put this front on and then you know that something's going to come out that starts that downworld spiral. And we have to all look at that and be like, they're just as human as we are. Like you mentioned, they're just going, they're possibly going through similar things. We just may not know that they are at the time. Yeah, no, hundred percent. And like, there's, there's very vulgar ways of saying it, which I'm not going to, I'm not going to share exactly with your audience and everything, but it's like, I, I think what, what do people say? Something like everybody's smells, you know, like it's, it's not like, Everybody's human, you know, like everybody's got their own garbage to deal with and it all smells. And, you know, so just because some people are better at hiding it than others or just because um, because people have cameras following them around all the time, they're worse at hiding it than others. I'm saying, look, you know what? We've all got our stuff that like, you know, we've, we're struggling with that we're doing that we're trying to be better with or this and whatever. And a lot of us, if we had camera crews following us around and everything, we'd be like, oh, my gosh, like I cannot believe the whole world knows about that. And so like. We're, we're all human, you know, just, yep. uh, just focus on being the best that you can and focus on being better than you were yesterday. That's, uh, that's, that's a big part of it. You know, did you have a dream job, something that you wanted to do as a career? When? <laughs> well, usually we're asked at different ages, what's that dream job that we're wanting? You did mention that you were a high school dropout. So at before then, did you have something and did it kind of change what direction you went in when you started going a different path? Okay. So uh, I'll tell you a couple things. So first of all, when I was a kid, um, like five to 10 or four to 11 or whatever the numbers are, 
I love, <clears throat> maybe it was until a little bit later, but I loved Lego like tons. And so like, there was a time, I think it was brief, but there was a time when I was like, I'm going to be like a Lego designer, engineer person who comes up with the whole Lego things to like build. And I actually wrote them a letter as such. And I did not save the response. Sorry, excuse me, I was in my throat. Um, I wrote them a letter as such and I was like, yeah, I really want to be a part of your team. I don't, again, I was a kid, so like it, it wasn't this polished or anything, but like it was like, I want to be a part of your team. I want to help you design stuff. I could do it. Just let me, <coughs> I think I just wanted them to send me free Lego sets, you know? <laughs> Cheapest labor ever, you know? But they were kind of like, you know, just sent me like a form, you know, oh yeah, thanks so much for your interest and blah, 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 but no. <laughs> it's something like that. I didn't save it. Maybe I should have, but whatever. Um, and then the one thing that I can say that like really since a, since a young age that I think that there's always been this like bounce back and forth to it. And I don't understand necessarily the, the why in the sense that like I can't pinpoint and be like, that's why I want to do it. But um, since I'm like five, four or five or six years old or something, I've always wanted to be a writer um, in the sense that when I was like five years old, I remember working on like the old word perfect before Microsoft Word ever was a thing and like, remove, you know, and it was just like a blue screen and letters. So like you didn't have like the WYSIWYG type uh, situation where you would like lay out the page and stuff. And I remember writing a book, although again, I don't have it. Um, and I wrote like, it was probably like a kid's book and I like probably like printed it out. So they, and like, you know, drew pictures on the pages and stuff. And I wish I had it, but I don't. Um, and then, and then, you know, like I, I put together like a quasi novel and stuff in my teens and everything and I never published it. And so like, I, I, I've always had this like this bat and and um, I wrote a bunch of poetry in my teens and stuff like that songs poetry whatever you want to call it um, some of which are actually I, I think if I may say so myself pretty good although um, you know I have to look at it with a more critical eye like now and with a with an adult brain but I think they were pretty good but anyways um, you know there, I think there's always been this level of wanting to be a writer if I had to like pinpoint one thing that's got a common theme throughout my life it would have to be writing. Was writing a way to express thoughts that maybe you couldn't say out loud? Certainly in my teenage years, yeah. Um, and to some degree, it's easier. Uh, as I get more and more into speaking, um, I find that it's uh, I'm pretty okay with saying stuff in front of... I tell people it's like weird, you know, like usually one-on-ones, like if I'm out with a friend... I won't necessarily get into the personal stuff, but you put me on a, on a stage in front of hundreds of people and it's like, well, can we talk about this? And it's like, yeah, sure, let's go. Let's like bear it all. <laughs> <laughs> not not physically, you know, just like just like verbally, just like, yeah, we'll just, I'll just tell this whole story. And like, I would never tell it to like, well, I mean, again, like podcasts is like a similar thing, even though there are hundreds of people in the room, they're like, you know that there's potentially hundreds or thousands or tens of thousands of people who are going to listen to it. But um, like, I don't know what it is. Like I get up at the stage in front of people and I'm like, yeah, I don't care. Let's, let's talk about it. <laughs> you know? um, but yeah, I mean, so writing, writing is, I, I'm able to get my thoughts out a little bit clearer, able to polish them off a little bit better. And, you know, obviously the editing process allows you to kind of sit there and like, you know, okay, I've got this stuff to say and you like slam it all out and you look at it and you're like, okay, maybe if I tweak this or tweak that or tweak this or tweak that. Um, and, you know, one one book that uh, at least the end of it was a very formative, like with the general rules, not like the specific grammar rules, but the general rules is the um, uh, strike of white's elements of style. You know, like it's uh, it's a classic, uh, basically, if you ever want to write or if you're ever interested in writing at all, check it out. As an author now, what's your main message you want readers to get out of your books? Uh, or your writing? The, the overall theme, I would say, is hope, typically. Um, you know, so the, I have a few kids books out and uh, one of them is kind of just goofing off, but the other uh, one, two, three, and then we're working on another one now. The other four of them are, I, I would say the underlying themes, I mean, they're not, that's not what the book is about, but I would say the underlying theme is hope. And then the five keys to greatness, you know, like it's the, um, it's, it's always looking at a sunnier tomorrow, you know? And that's not to say that today needs to be an unsunny, but like, you know, how can I improve for the next day? And so that, that also has that, again, the book is not about hope. The book is about um, improving ourselves and bringing ourselves above the cult of average and turning ourselves into, you know, you know, elevating ourselves and giving ourselves this, this element of everyday greatness, you know, and, and that's what the book is really about. But it's got that undercurrent of hope, I think. 
Are you someone that you're always coming up with new ideas? Like you talked about, you had a few kids book, but are you always planning for that next one? And are your books like a series or they're kind of just different versions? I'm, so I, the, the books are not currently my sole source of income in the sense that I'm unfortunately not able to be like, I'm a writer and that's my main thing that I do. And, you know, like if I, if I could come out with my novel or nonfiction or whatever and sold 100,000, 500,000 copies, I could be like, okay, look, you know, I write. And sometimes I do a couple of other things, but that's all I do. You know, mm. I'm not there just yet. If you know anybody who wants to buy 500,000 copies, I can do <laughs> <laughs> No, but I mean, um, so writing is not the only thing that I do. Do I have other ideas? Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm going before the show started, you saw me with a video with one of the projects that I'm working on and everything. And I don't know, I know that I talk fast. I don't know if you felt like I was talking fast when I was spitting out, like, you know, some ideas for that video, like to the, to the editor and everything. Um, but um, yeah, I mean, I mean, I'm, I'm constantly working on the next thing or the next number of things, or I have the ideas percolating about a bunch of stuff that I want to get out the door and so I have to kind of like take the notes and the ideas from those things and put them into a file so that if and when I ever decide to try and put the project into uh, the real world, I have the stuff to refer back to. Because what ends up happening is if I, if I were to work on every single project that I ever thought of all the time, I would never get anything done. Yeah. And so I like, to, I like to try and get, I like to try and keep it to only a few projects and work on getting those projects to some level of completion before looking at other projects and saying, you know, what am I going to do with this and everything? Do you like having those different career paths or those different opportunities than just a normal, like nine to five office job? You're able to kind of explore different avenues and kind of have that freedom. To a large extent. Yes. Um, I'd prefer to be doing it from a slightly different angle that as of right now, I can't control. Um, like to be doing it from a, from an angle of, I guess you could say like less pressure and less stress where like, it's, you know, I'll give you an example, you know, since COVID hit and everything, I had to reopen my design business. So like, uh, you know, for different cash flow and everything, because of like speaking, like the whole industry kind of dried up to a large degree, not entirely, but so, so there's an element of stuff that I have to do for that business that adds additional pressure to me that I'm like, okay, well, I also have to get this in addition to all these other things I'm working on. I also have to get these done and take care of these. And sometimes I have to prioritize them because they are clients and they're paying and I want to make sure that their stuff is done at the right time and everything. And so, um, so like, yeah, like I'd love, I'd love to be at the point where I'm able to like kind of just work on only the things that I really want to work and nothing, not really anything else, but uh, you know, we're not there yet. And so it's a process and, and we, we, we work through that process to try and get as close to our ideal living as we possibly can. And, and, you know, whatever else we can't get, you know, uh, that's it, you know, we get what we can. What's the kind of, is it like design branding or like, is it like, oh, what I do? Is it like videography kind of stuff? It's a little bit of everything, you know, it depends on what the clients, you know, I don't, I don't run around looking for clients, you know, it's a lot of word of mouth. So if a client needs something, I mean, I do websites, I do video, I do branding, I do logos, I do this. It depends, it depends on who the person is. You know, I I recently did a branding project with some advertisements. I recently did a, uh, they already had the logo. So I just did the, I just did a couple of videos in the website and then somebody involved in that company hired me for another thing. And, you know, and also like, in the middle of it, you know, I came, I was like writing different things for like the video and stuff. And they're like, I really like this line. They're like, but I can't trademark it. I'm like, why not? I'm like, I'm not a lawyer. I can't advise you or anything, but you should talk to a lawyer because when I do the searches for it, it looks like it's totally fine to trademark. And he's like, oh, let me reach out back out to another lawyer. And he reaches back out. He's like, yeah, I'm trademarking now. I'm like, yes. <laughs> I mean, I'm not billing him for it. I should, maybe I should. <laughs> I don't get whatever I'm saying, but like, you know, I just, I love the idea that like, Thank God I'm able to come up with ideas that that my clients look at it and they're like, "Ooh, that part of the idea is uh, trademark worthy. We're going to do that." So that's that's pretty cool. Did you learn those um, skill sets organically, or did you learn from someone, or how did you find that you had that kind of talent? Uh, there's a level of organics that happened with it, and there's a level of tautness that happened with it. Um, but I would say, for the most part, organically. Um, in ninth grade, we ended up in this, my friend and I ended up in this like tech school. Like they were trying to like, they're trying to like do like a new thing. We were only there for a year, but they, 
I mean, this is 1999 or something like that, 1998, something like that. And then, and, um, and like, who had a computer by every single desk in a school in 1998? You know, like nobody did that. Whatever the year was, 90, I don't know, but like nobody did that, but they did it. And um, so his uncle was in the design field or something or in websites and stuff. So he got a copy of Adobe Illustrator and Adobe Photoshop from his uncle. And he brought it into the classroom and we put it on both of our computers and we started like just doing these things with Adobe Photoshop. We were just playing around, right? Like we're in class, we're bored. Like the rabbi's talking, we're like, yeah, oh yeah, we're listening. <laughs> you know, no, but like, I mean, the rabbi knew that like we had trouble like necessarily paying attention sometimes to certain things. And so he would also sit there and do it. He'd be like, okay, look, instead of sitting in class and doing all this stuff, I'll tell you what, here's a scene from the Bible. Why don't you guys illustrate that scene in the Bible? So we would sit down in Photoshop and we'd sit there and study the scene and learn all this stuff and sit there and create this representation of it and everything. I still have some of those drawings actually. Um, and so like, you know, so that that's part of the organics. Uh, a few years later, I had already dropped out and I was, uh, my dad saw like an article, an, an ad for this like vocational program doing this type of thing. So he got me into that and I spent six, seven months learning under the tutelage of an artist there, this guy, uh, Jordan Kaplan. Um, who's like an, a, a multimedia artist in his own right. Like he does mostly music, but he does a lot of other stuff also. Um, and then, so that was like not, that was like more like the taught aspect of it. And then um, a few years after that, I got a computer and started trying to get clients. And then like, there was this like massive, like um, I'm going to say organic, but it's not fully organic. Cause like, you learn from listening to other people who talk about stuff that you know, and from like watching other people do it and like videos online and tutorials and this and whatever. So, so like, you know, learning what exactly what I needed or wanted to learn at the time for a particular project and then, you know, bring that forward into everything else. And so there's just, I don't know. I, I like <laughs> that there's like different ways that you kind of learned it over time where when you were in school, they kind of incorporated into what you were learning so that you could still learn how to do Adobe products, but you're also getting to learn what the rabbi wanted you to do. And then, right. And I think that's so good. And I think a lot of schools should do that because kids have talents that they want to explore, but maybe schools aren't offering that and they just got to be able to put it all together and then they can see these kids grow and they follow their passions that they have. Um, so there are schools, some schools that I think that do stuff like that, but it's interesting because there's actually this exchange in the Talmud and I forget exactly where, but these two like friends are like with their rabbi. And, and so the rabbi's like, great, what do you guys want to learn? And so, and again, it's been so long since I saw it inside that I forget the specifics, but one of them, Simon, he's like, I want to learn this. And Levi is like, I want to learn this. And, si and so the rabbi sits there and looks at them. He's like, okay, well, look, you know, in, I forget if, if which way it was but i think he was like in the order of the bible this one comes first so we're gonna learn this and he was like but didn't you tell us that we need to only learn what we actually want to learn and otherwise we're not gonna be able to remember it or learn it or anything or pay attention to it basically and he's like yeah i did say it. you're right you go learn what you want to learn and we're gonna learn this <laughs> you yeah. know so like we're talking two thousand three thousand years ago they were already people are already recognizing that like if you're not interested in the subject matter that's being taught it's gonna be really hard to learn Yep. And there's different, there's different ways of being interested, right? Like there are things that I'm doing that I'm not necessarily interested in exactly what they're teaching me, but I'm interested in, let's say the whole program and what it's teaching me. And so therefore, even though this particular part is like, yeah, I don't, I don't really care. I know that it's part of the larger programs. I'm like, okay, I'm going to focus on what I'm learning over here because I need to for the larger program. But, but when like you put a kid in school and you're like, well, you have to learn this because like, why? You know, like, but you, because you have to, it's like, it's a really hard conversation. You know, like I just saw a meme the other day. Uh, you know, our teachers always told us, it's not like you're going to walk around with a calculator in your pocket. <laughs> we show them. <laughs> <laughs> we, I love that meme. <laughs> yeah. When you're doing speaking gigs and you're telling your story or whatever the topic that you're talking about, what is kind of the reaction that the listeners or people that are watching you are getting or that they tell you from when you're speaking? I speak on a few topics, so you get all ranges, you know, um, if, if I had my druthers, if I had like, you know, the perfect moment and it, you know, sometimes things fall a little bit more flat than others. If I had the perfect delivery or whatever, you know, and, and everything's going really, really well, what I'm, what I'm really hoping for, and it's not because I'm like sadistic or anything, 
what I'm really hoping for is like a full range of emotions from like there's from periods of like uh feeling so sad that they're either crying or want to cry to to feeling so happy that they're that they are feeling you know the joy and whatever's going on and that they're also like that there's also great points of like real good belly laughter um it's not that i want to make people cry but overall i think that that we can have the greatest effect on others lives when we're able to bring them into that moment of true emotion and um and you know laugh laughter is the best medicine crying is also a good medicine and like there's all these aspects i mean so i did i was speaking one time at a women's prison and i did a double header so but it was two different speeches but it was a double header so i spoke one after the other um and they like offered i forget exactly how they split it up but they offered one set of women only like a smaller subset of women for one particular speech and then they opened it up to the entire population for the other speech and um some of the women stuck around for both speeches and like they were just telling me they were like you know oh you know some of them were like bawling in the middle of it and they were like crying and they're like laughing you know like so like we we hit a lot of those ranges of emotion and everything and 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 not every speech that i'm giving am i really hitting those sad parts that that like that there should have even been crying so if you've ever been to a speech you're like but i didn't cry like that's you know there's only some of the speeches where we're getting into those really sad stories that like we're hoping that not hoping but like that maybe that's the emotion that's being evoked um but i would love to always i do love always to hear when people feel like the speech was thought-provoking and that it gives them a new perspective on life that they're able to now think about things in a new different in a new different way and that and that you know overall hopefully for the better you know um that they sit there and they're like well now you just gave me new tools and new ways to think about things that now I can hopefully bring into my life and and improve it and turn it into something bigger and better. So what does the future look like for you? What are you hoping to accomplish in the next few years, personally and professionally? Great question. Uh, I'll start with I'm not a prophet. <laughs> so I have no idea. Um, what I really would like to be able to bring myself to be is is like, and this is like this 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 whole project that I'm working on right now one of the things is that is that I'm trying to develop a whole system and programs and everything else that if I can get everything to 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 land right I would like to be I would like to have a flourishing business that is offering a really solid set of coaching programs like coaching packages so it's not like I'm you know doing like typical coach stuff but like that it's more like okay look here's what I could do for you and here's how much it costs no problem that's the coaching aspect of it and then the speaking aspect of it with uh you know a healthy level of book writing as well so it's kind of like they all work together and it's like mm-hmm. this this really cool system because it's like people might come across a book and then be interested in coaching or not or come across another book and then maybe they'll be interested in having me come and speak for their company or they're like on the board of a conference and they're like look i read this book by this guy it was really cool why don't we bring them in? You know, so like they're kind of like everything's kind of like working really, really well and synergistically with each other. Um, and it's not to sit there and say that like I need people to sit there and read my book and become a coaching client because that's not what I'm looking for. I'm looking to uh, develop a, a set of products that each person can take and use the best way possible for them. So if that means that they want to do stuff on their own with a video course, if that means they want to do stuff on their own with a book, with a uh, if they want to do coaching, if they want to do it in a group setting with like either group coaching or with uh, speeches and stuff, like there's so many different ways to, to get these points across. And, you know, the main thing for me is that like, if people feel like it was beneficial to their life and help them, that's it. That's the main point. I like that there's different options because all, everyone kind of works or listens or learns differently and doing a book or a speech or a course or a video it kind of hits on all those parts because someone in a company is utilizing one of those four or um, however different alternatives you have so i like that it's going to possibly have those different avenues that they can look at yeah, and I have something that's like way, way pre-launched just because I've got distracted with different projects. I was telling someone about it the other day again. Um, that is, and you asked about the future. So this is like a big part of the future. Hopefully, if I can ever get it up and off the ground, um, it's like a grassroots thing that has the potential to just help thousands, if not millions of people across the world. Um, and like the way that I have in my head to set it up and there's a few things that I have to hammer out, which is why it's not like in, in a pilot program already, but um, 
it's like this grassroots thing to that just you know i would i, I basically would like kind of like get put together the overall design this is my concept is put together the overall design be like okay now it's ready it's ready to be packaged it's ready to be given out to the world get a few pilot programs going on testing it out getting some feedback maybe making some tweaks based on that feedback and then when it's ready being like okay world here's my gift you know and, mm -hmm. and um let's see what we can do with it but um it's a little it's a little premature to go to delve into details about that but uh, hopefully i'll have time to work on it eventually the final question i'll ask you for someone that's listening to this interview based on your journey and experience what tips or advice would you give them to overcome obstacles accomplish their goals and rise to the challenge uh the two biggest tips that I typically would talk about for something like that is, you know, just maintain persistence, maintain your tenacity, maintain your hold on your vision of what you want to do and, and see it through. Because a lot of times the reason why we don't end up with different gifts from different people is because they don't believe in it or they stop believing in it. I think is really the bigger, bigger way to put it, right? They believe in it for a little bit. They get in 20% and they lose that tenacity and they stop. And, and that's actually one of the five keys to greatness. It's the last one, the T for tenacity. You know, you just got to keep at it. And it's really hard sometimes. And it's like so hard sometimes that like it's impossible sometimes. And it's okay to table it for a little bit and come back to it. But, it's, but, but between you and me, it's not so okay to just give up on it. In some situations, it's okay to give up on it. That's not to say this is never an end-all be-all. It's always situational. But that's one thing is uh, persistence and tenacity. And the other one is hope. It's like, and it's, and it's, it's closely related to that. You know, the more that you're able to hold on to, <clears throat> excuse me, the hope for a better tomorrow and the hope for better things. And, and, you know, the idea that things could be different, the idea that things could change, the idea that, that, that something could happen and everything, the better you are able to get yourself into a mindset or an ability to be able to do those things and without that hope like there's so little as possible without hope you know well ari i want to thank you so much for coming on the show and talking about your rise to the challenge you're inspiring so many people and we're excited to see what the future looks like for you absolutely i really appreciate you having me on the show thank you so much Tune in next time to hear my next guest talk about their rise to the challenge. Remember to follow, subscribe on all major audio platforms, and make sure you subscribe to our YouTube channel to full-length episode and video format. What path do you take to accomplish your goal? You decide.